Welcome to episode 6 of Collector's Quest. Today Kat and I talk about rare games that also happen to be expensive, what it's like to acquire them, what it's like to spend that kind of money, how to verify, a few tips on that, and you know some of the back and forth that happens when you start getting up into games that are towards the high end or the most rare on a system. So stay tuned. Well, I know that you have had a really interesting recent find, and I'm kind of interested to hear a little bit more about what it was and, um, you know, a little bit about maybe how you got it. Okay. uh, I just picked up Speed Racer Mountain Bike Rally Combo Cart for the Super Nintendo Complete in Box. Uh, Still has the cellophane on it. Um, A little info about this game. It's a combo cart. It's for the life cycle, uh, which was the fitness bike for the Super Nintendo. It has these two games, which can also be purchased individually for the Super Nintendo. They have individual box versions out there. Um, It's a terrible game. They're both terrible, pretty much. And uh, you can choose to play them terribly on a fitness cycle. And it's it's pretty rare. It's... um, you know arguably the most rare game on the system the competition cards might be more rare um it's not very rare sealed though if that makes any sense there are some nintendo game or super nintendo games, sealed games which uh, when you have a bad game or a game that didn't make it to as much market as it should and it got sold as back stock you'll tend to find more sealed copies of them this is one of those uh games where you will it's if you're going to find it you're either going to find a cart or most likely a sealed copy that's kind of the most common ways to find it so like a loose one with the cellophane or not a loose but a complete box one that's open is a a little more rare but i mean it doesn't make it any more valuable or anything it's just less common to find it in that way so anyways long story longer i i bought it well i didn't buy it off of ebay I was going to buy it on eBay, and it was uh, listed for uh, $2,431, and um, I was making some offers with the seller, and, you know, we were in the middle of talking about it, and in the middle of those discussions, someone used to buy it now. They they took it for that price, and they were good to go, and, uh, you know, I wrote the message to the seller, or the, a message to the seller saying, hey, congrats on the sale, uh, uh, have a good one. He was talking to me and was like, well, follow me on Twitter and stuff. And you know, if I find more stuff, I'll, I'll let you know. My dad used to own uh, a video store. Okay. So we we do that. And two days later, I get a message via eBay and then also through Twitter telling me, hey, um, you know, are you still interested in that game? And I, you know, obviously I was uh, not at $2,431, but um you know, I would be interested. So he he contacts me. We are in the same uh, general vicinity. He's about 40-minute drive from me. Um, so in L.A., that's like, you know, 15 miles. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> Not far at all. <laughs> no, uh, no, he's like 20 miles away, but it, it did take me 45 minutes to get there at 7 o'clock at night. So that's L.A. traffic, and that's not uncommon. Um, okay. I made the deal and arranged to meet him. I was going to pay 2300 
So when we met, I wanted to know, again, what happened with the deal. He had told me that it was canceled, um, but that didn't sound exactly right. So I asked him again. I asked if you canceled it or the buyer canceled it. He said it was just canceled. It wasn't going to work out. And that happens from time to time. Sometimes somebody buys something and back out of a deal because it was a lot of money. eBay backouts happen like kind of consistent. I don't want to say kind of consistently, but they exist. This, however, felt a little fishy and it made me think a little bit about it. But at the same time, something in me also didn't question it too hard. You know, I, I probably could have grilled him a little bit deeper than I did. And I just wasn't willing to. Um, the game is pretty rare and the truth is I wanted it. So I wasn't really investigating as deeply as I could have. I wouldn't go as far as to say it's backdooring. But I would say it's closer than I would like it to be. And the truth is I, I may have taken a deal that somebody else was after. I mean, I didn't do that on purpose. I didn't maliciously go after it. In fact, when I thought it was gone, I sent the seller that note that just said, Hey, congrats. Sometimes you just miss out by not being decisive. Uh, so it's a little shady and a little unfortunate that I, I got it that way. And that leads us to some interesting questions, right? Like if... Uh, when a game is this rare, what what do you do? Do you, is it, is it a moral quandary or or what? How how do you feel about that? Well, luckily, I haven't had a whole lot of experience with that in terms of eBay because I've never actually purchased, say, a really rare game off of eBay. You know, maybe some harder to find titles, Wayne's World, but no, none of my really expensive games have come off eBay. Now, I definitely have got and bidding wars through local ads and stuff like that. So I guess that's, in a way, kind of the same thing. You know, you always feel bad if you've taken something really great from somebody else, but then I guess you can't feel bad to a point because you obviously really want it for your collection. Right, and, you know, I I don't like to operate that. I kind of like to operate above board. If you won the auction, then feel it should go to you. And it's, you know, commonly referred to as backdooring. Uh, if you're on several forums, that's how it's usually brought up. And that, it feels bad. It's happened to me more than once. I don't love it. Um, however, again, I wasn't really going to pass this one up. I didn't know that was the situation, but had I known, I, I probably still would have followed through. It's not like I reached out to him and said, hey, I'll pay you more. He contacted me um, and said the sale was canceled. And then I, I found out more in-depth reasons why after. But yeah, uh, it, it still doesn't feel as good as it could, but I definitely wasn't passing on it. The game is just a little bit too rare, doesn't come up that often. I'm not sure if the price was, you know, dead on, like if I overpaid or, you know, slightly overpaid. I, I think I'm in the right range, um, but it's a game that's also kind of a, a risky game because I feel like more of them could be found in a box in a warehouse you know at any point uh it's right but you know current value current market i think i paid around current market value for it like if you check video game price charts or whatever they have it at like 2600 for a complete box one so 23 seems all right so you feel comfortable. Obviously, rare games, you're going to spend more money. You know, there's always those lucky finds that you come across. But for the money, you hit it at a comfortable point, which I think is an important thing when you're collecting rare games is, is if it is really at a point that you're uncomfortable purchasing it, 
then sometimes it's it's better to wait because you don't want to have that game and be like, shoot, I really ate a hole in my collection and I still have X amount to go and I would have rather had X amount. If you have a comfortable purchase, I think that's a, a good purchase for a rare game. Yeah, it, it wasn't too far out of the zone. I, I but I won't say I'm comfortable with the purchase. I, you know, twenty three hundred dollars is the it's now the very most I've ever spent on one game, and it is harder to spend that much money on a game that is bad. You know, uh, on a game that you're never gonna play. I, look, the amount of money a game costs and its rarity has nothing to do with how good the game is, uh, or if it's playable or if you want to play it. That's not why we collect i like to play video games of course if i'm playing a video game i want to play a good game collecting that is out the window that just does not matter at, at all like it's not a relevant thing to say oh well can't believe you paid that much money for that game it's terrible it doesn't matter that's again it's not the point of collecting you don't collect games just because oh these are the best i mean you might if you are specifically looking to game that's not what I'm in this for. I'm in this for complete sets, and sometimes you got to pony up. But I was pretty uncomfortable. Like I said, I've spent over a thousand dollars now six times, and uh, it was you know, on this. It was on the world, uh, the Blockbuster World Championship two card for the Sega Genesis, which is very rare. Uh, Outback Joy for the Sega Genesis, uh, complete in box with the system. Another wonderful fitness game, um, also very rare. Uh, you know, those those two are the ones that were the previous most expensive, you know, uh, respectively Outback Joy around 2000 and uh, the World Championship card around 1900 So now I'm $400 kind of over that threshold. I'd always said four or uh, 2000 about where I want to be at the most. And, you know, other copies of games that kind of got close to that were um, Little Samson Complete in Box. I think I paid like 650 for so, you know, some games are expensive and good, but this one is is not. It, it does feel worse, but it also doesn't matter, if that makes any sense. Well, yeah, if you want to have that complete in-box collection, then that's something that it's important to have, whether it's good or bad. Now, having said that, is that kind of, this is the game that's like your holy grail for the Super Nintendo, or is there another rare purchase that you might be a little bit more excited about? Um, well, I, I have the Donkey Kong competition cart. And I think I paid a thousand or eleven hundred for that one, and that was way more exciting. Also, because it was, yeah, I like competition carts. I mean, you're never really gonna play that one, but that's a more interesting game. At least it's a franchise character. It's Donkey Kong. You know, I don't care about Speed Racer or, or you know, Mountain Bike Guy. Uh, that's like the other featured person on the on the box. Uh, I'm not invested in those people. Uh, I am kind of invested in Donkey Kong. You know, he's a classic Nintendo character. So that made it more exciting. Right. Um, my Batman Pinball Machine, I spent $1,600 on that and felt great. Uh, I love that thing. It's not exactly rare or anything. Uh, but, yeah, it felt awesome to buy that. Like, I was super excited. I still play it and stuff. Um, and I love the way it looks. And it's a franchise I love. So that that made it a lot easier but as far as is it, you know, it's one of the hardest games to find for the Super Nintendo. The Super Nintendo is my favorite system. I want a complete in box set of this, uh, of this particular console. Um, stadium events I can live without. I can live without being 100% on Nintendo. I don't care about stadium events. Um, this one is this isn't on the level of stadium events, so I don't want to get to a point where it's five thousand dollars and 
I can't justify $5,000 down the line uh, for this game. So I, I just went ahead and got it out of the way. Uh, if anyone is wondering, I, yeah, I asked my wife. I, uh, You know, that's that's still a large financial purchase. That's yes. basically, you know, uh, my mortgage payment. So it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm tell my wife, like, hey, is, is this okay? And I, I was kind of wavering, and she's actually the one who said, go out and do it. You'll regret it if you don't get it now. And if you find another one cheaper, then great, buy that one too, and then sell this one. So I was like, all right, I, you know, I've got the approval. So I went out and I did it. And sometimes you just need that kind of push to be like, yeah, it's all right, just go do it. <laughs> right. I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to cause friction uh, over something like this. I can also afford to go out $2,300 isn't the end of the world to me if I lost it. Um, I did verify the cart when I got there though. Uh, you know, I looked, uh, pretty weird. I like pulled out my drill with the Nintendo bit on it and like opened up the cart. The guy didn't know what was going on. I was like, sorry, I have to inspect this and like look. And then I had like a super game boy player, uh, super boy to make sure it worked and played and everything. It's like, okay, yeah, we're good to go after like 10 minutes of like fiddling around with this thing. And it, I also made the deal feel, feels like the shadiest deal ever. Cause we both come out with duffel bags and I, you know, I pull a giant drill out of mine and he pulls the game out and like slowly handing each other, you know, passing goods to one another in a parking garage, a dark parking garage in LA at night. So I'm sure that, uh, if the, the cameras that were on us, probably what the hell's going on there so and that definitely makes a very interesting picture in my mind i can just kind of see this going down and it's that stereotypical thing that only happens in the movies right yeah i had my movie moment there as we were uh you know you you got the stuff yeah okay you got the money yeah it was a it was a weird moment i don't know why it had to be in a parking garage uh he's like yeah let's meet somewhere public like a parking garage in the dark it's like, uh, okay. Well, I guess that makes for more of a story to go along with it, which makes it kind of interesting. Yeah, makes for a better story. Better story than, than game. Which brings me to an interesting point. Um, there's always, in my opinion, there's always something great about actually being able to buy a rare game in person. And like you said, being able to have a look at it and see that it works and see that it is legitimately um, what it is. Now, I don't have a whole lot of ex- experience with buying off eBay, but do you have any suggestions if somebody's buying a rare game online, things to watch out for, or things that might be helpful? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, the easiest way, you know, is to ask the seller if they have not provided it is a picture of the board. And if it's another collector selling it, they've probably taken a picture of the board and you can go online and i forget the name of the website um but you can also google the name of the game and board and usually it'll pop up you know check google images but there is a website that kind of has a picture of of all the boards and stuff for the rare games where you can look and compare and it's very important to do that because we live in uh, a time when repros are getting easier and easier to make and you know Expensive games are getting easier to fake, and people are they're just getting better at it. Uh, it's becoming a cheaper process, and it's becoming more common. So that's the absolute number one best way is to check the board. But just because you have an authentic board does not mean you have an authentic label. Um, that, that's something you got to watch out for, too, because sometimes uh, people will buy a really crappy version of uh, 
of a good game or an expensive game with a really bad label because they'll get it for less and then they'll put a, a repro label check the glossiness of it the texture uh the best way to tell is usually the the corners the like the rounded corners because you know all the nintendo games are inset like genesis 2 where the label goes and those corners are cut in a very specific fashion and that's usually where people mess it up and they like they won't get the size quite right they'll be a little bit crooked and usually nintendo games are pretty solidly always produced in the same fashion so i mean it comes off in assembly lines so you can expect that so those are the two big things to look out for uh with boxes you know make sure the inside of the box isn't like white you know check the thickness you can a lot of fake boxes feel kind of papery and they're too light um they should usually be like a uh a brown like a lightish like a whitish gray like a almost a, with a speckle in them if they are authentic um you know if it's fake it's usually like paper white you know or too thick and too dark brown and those are those are kind of some of the dead giveaways i would say I think those are all really good points because I think, you know, for anybody starting to collect, when you do buy that first rare game, which is always the hardest because you're expending <laughs> that much money, it's great if you luck into your first rare game being something that's actually legitimately fun to play. But you want to know what to watch out for because that makes, once you get past the first one, it doesn't, I, I find for me, it doesn't get easier. It just gets more routine, I guess. It's, oh, I want to complete this, the, the um, set, so I'm going to have to expend the money. Right. Well, if, if you're a set collector, this is just a problem you're going to run into. You're going to spend a bunch of money, maybe unless you get lucky, on terrible games. Um, that's just the world you live in. And you're also going to spend lo- uh, small sums of money on terrible games, too, when you're a set collector. You are going, like, the majority of your library is going to be filled with games that cost you a bunch of money that no one wants to play. Uh, and they're just, but they're collector's pieces, and that OCD for me is what's driving me to complete it and say, look, I've done this, I can check this off my list, There's a, that box is filled, I feel a lot better about things. Not everybody has that, and you know, I don't recommend, uh, if you aren't, if you have no desire to complete a set, don't. I would definitely say avoid it, you know, uh, and you save your money for awesome stuff. Maybe pimp out your collection instead, like get nice... Uh, really nice complete in box copies or you know sealed if that's kind of the way you do it but you know it it's never easy to spend that much money on just you know chaff essentially uh, and also the the top end like, especially with nintendo you're looking at games like this and you know stadium events which are going to be the barriers you don't want to play them and they're just gonna sit on a shelf and look nice as long as you're good with that then you know uh, tally ho yeah, and I think with me, stadium events is that I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I really, it would have to be a good price, like well under market value for me to be able to justify it because it's, it is it is the rarest, in my opinion, kind of of the license set. I don't can't think of anything that is going to cost me more, and it's one that I'm definitely not going to play. Not would I not want to play it because it's terrible, but I don't want to put that in my Nintendo on a regular basis and turn it on. It's a very rare game. That's that's a fair point, too. Um, aside from just being bad games, they are also expensive games, and you want to keep them in nice condition because their condition 
uh, especially with all these games, determines the value. My wife was like, oh, do you want to open it up and show me? I was like, no, every time you open a Super Nintendo box, it's like hard not to damage the flap. I, I don't ever want to open this game again. In fact, I just put it in its protective case and I set it on the shelf and I was like, ta-da, the, welcome to your new home where no one will ever touch you again. Uh, and, I, and I'm okay with that. And I, are you, are you going to let me get away with saying tally-ho? I don't even know where that came from. I mean, if you want to, you can go for it. That's fine. I think it adds a little bit of comic relief. I don't I don't even know where that tally-ho. Forgive me, audience. Uh, I don't mean to say tally-ho. So this is not a typical California thing I'm just missing, is it? No, no. It, it definitely is not uh, California lingo for anything. No one says that that I know. So, I yeah, I don't know where I, maybe I watched Mary Poppins lately. I have no idea where that came from. So, I guess our audience can expect that probably won't be a a, a normal occurrence on your end. Nope. No way. It's a one-time I, special. Yeah, that's just for you guys just today one-time offer. So, good. What uh what have you been playing cuz uh, apart from just talking about Oh, hey, collector's tips. Um, you know, I'm interested in knowing what you're playing because we are both gamers. We do like games. Um, we're not just collectors. So what are you playing right now? Well, what I'm playing right now is actually not rare. I'm right on the PS3 and I have played it. No, I'm not kidding. Like 20 times now I'm playing Alice Mad- Madness Returns again. <laughs> Alice. So you're really into Alice Madness. Did you play the original one on the PC? I tried. Um, I never played it on the PC, but when Alice Madness Return came out, it came with the download code, and you could download it. And I get about, like, three, four minutes into it, and I was just like, I can't do this. It's just really terrible. Really, yeah, because I know people who are a fan of the first one felt like the uh, the PS3 version was pretty terrible. Um, I had a friend who played it a lot, and I watched him play the first one. I was really interested in getting it for the Xbox because I wanted it. Uh, with the download code and I, I haven't picked it up yet it's been on my list for like three years it's a, a game I definitely want I've never played through it though so you've played through it 20 times what is it about this game that keeps bringing you back well there's a couple things I've always loved Alice in Wonderland and I always like a little I guess kind of macabre kind of dark things um, so being that in my nature. Uh, this is kind of a little bit of a twisted game, um, a little bit odd, and I think that's part of what attracts me to it. It's not just that it's, you know, and some people really like it and some people really hate it. I wouldn't say it's the best game in the world. I like it because I do like the play. It's a platform style game, but I find the graphics and the inspiration that went into making these worlds and these scenes was just unusual it made me wonder who thought of this and how their mind works okay yeah that no that's legit you know i have lots of games that uh aren't necessarily good that i like to play uh, i really enjoy the lego harry potter games and they're you know they're lego games i can't say hey this is the best game ever but i definitely 100 percent completed them Both well that's, them. that's that's a good thing too but i think it's okay that like, people are like, why? How can you play that? I think that's terrible. I was like, well, I like it. I would never tell somebody, don't play that. I think it's terrible. If you like it, play it. Well, uh, I'm different. I would probably say, that's terrible. Why are you playing that? Because I'm curious about why people make their choices. Um, I, I don't know if I would tell them to stop, but I, I would definitely uh, overstate my opinion. 
which you'll soon learn. And um, yeah, I'd probably say I think that game is terrible. Uh, that's that's me. But I guess that's a way to find out why somebody likes playing it. Yeah, I think your version, your your style is better than mine. Um, but <laughs> teach their own. So uh, <laughs> that's that's what you're playing now. But what is uh, I, I see on your Instagram account that you normally do like a, like a nightly or every couple of day pick. So what what's that one? So it might be games that I like playing or games that you know, are kind of interesting to me, be it, you know, some of them are, it, I like the story that went along with how I got it. And then I'll get the odd request of somebody will ask me, do you have this? I remember playing it. And it's really neat because they'll share their childhood memory. And I'll be like, well, that's a good pick for today. Because I love when there's a story that goes along with a game when somebody says, hey, I like playing this. And I remember playing this. And I played it with, you know, my sister. And it was great. I find that interesting, too. Yeah, and I think a lot of people miss that, especially with, with retro gaming. Uh, and this is what I don't like about Angry Video Game Nerd. There's a kind of, a, at least in the original ones, I, I didn't watch too much of him. But, you know, he'd come out and say, oh, this game is terrible. What a piece of shit. And, you know, he just crap on a game kind of unnecessarily without realizing, one, that was just, you know, of the, of the era uh, and how games were made. And two, that uh, people still like those games because there's an experience outside of the video game that attaches us to it. And that nostalgia is why people are even collecting video games and coming back, right? So there is the experience and the story and the emotional connection with a game that goes beyond gameplay, graphics, or anything else. If we wanted the best graphics, we'd all be playing on a PC or an Xbox One or PS4. We wouldn't be going back to these games. If we wanted the tightest controls, we wouldn't be using a NES controller. We'd all be using you know, uh, arcade sticks with proper dip switches and, uh, you know, dialed in completely with the fastest response times and zero latency. But that's not what we're doing. This is a nostalgia-based, you know, uh, hobby. This is why we come back to it. So, yeah, that's interesting that you connected it to a kind of a narrative experience. And that's what it's I like. I love when I'll put up a, you know, a series of games or something or a game and say, do you remember playing this? And people share their memories because everybody's memory might be different. But in a way, it's all the same. Like you said, we're going back to it for nostalgia and there's something else connected to it. I think that's really neat. So um, in case people don't know, why don't you tell us who you are on Instagram and your Instagram name so people can find you and check out your awesome collection and your daily picks? I'm Kat Sylvania, so K-A-T-S-E-L-V-A-N-I-A. Obviously, I take on Kat Sylvania. And I think you better mention yours, too, because you have a phenomenal collection. And I'm Johnny underscore I-U-C-C-I at, uh, on Instagram. And you can also find me on GameOverJohnny.com. And that is my sorely updated uh, blog. I need, I need to get on that. But... Uh, you can still find a lot of good evergreen content there and a lot of collecting information. Uh, so it, it's still a good resource, though it hasn't been updated. For pictures of my collection, uh, I'm pretty on top of it on Instagram. I'm usually putting out a you know post every couple of days, except right now it's Halloween, and I'm doing my Halloween Gaming 2015 posts, and you can check those out. And I just I take a picture every day of a, a game I think would be a good time a good game to play at this time of year and I've kind of covered multiple systems you know a couple on the PS2 several on the Nintendo but 
today I just put up one um, for the PSP. It was Ultimate Ghost and Goblins. So kind of catering to uh, whatever system you may own, um, throwing those games out there. Which is really neat because the one you put up today I had no idea even existed. Yeah, I, I got a, a few people telling me they'd never heard of Ultimate Ultimate uh, Ghost and Goblins for the PSP. Which, I mean, I guess, how many people have the PSP? I mean, the original PSP sold all right. It just kind of, they kind of fell apart there, uh, you know. And the PS Vita, in, in Vita news, which is so rare, I'll give you guys some. Uh, they just announced that the remote play for Fallout 4, if that's your... Your game, there's going to be special controls and like a layout on the Vita so you can remote play. Um, but I really think the Vita is kind of uh, kind of bad. Uh, you know, I don't. That's not fair. The Vita is a good little system. It's just been not supported very well. Yeah, and I think that's a fair statement. Uh, I never really got into it. Uh, my husband has a bunch of it, and it's actually being sold now because it just sits there, and he just doesn't really have the interest in it. Yeah, uh, it's. And the other thing I, I dislike is they keep changing box sizes on me. Like, can we just stick it in a box size that is similar to the DS case? Did, did we need to make a like, oblong or, like, make it the same height that we... It's, it's like, okay, guys, can we just... Un, universal cases for a reason. It's just... I don't need seven different shelf sizes uh, on the No, for curating perspective. Right. You're just like, come on. I mean, I guess you can, you're going to put all of them next to each other, but I find it uh, I find it obnoxious. But even all of them next to each other, I mean, they're not huge games. That's still not taking up a, a ton of space. No, but they're a little bit taller than they need to be, right? Um, yes. And they're not as wide. So on, on your standard shelf that would you know fit a CD, essentially, uh, those old things, it's going to be kind of deeper into the shelving, so it gets overshadowed by the lip of the shelf above it. And then it's kind of deep set. So, you know, you kind of, I don't like it. I don't like it, Kat, and that's that's it. No, I understand uh, that. I'm, I'm somewhat of a perfectionist. I like everything in order. I want everything to have its place. I want it all to just be perfect. <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm a big fan of symmetry. So it's like, uh, you're killing the symmetry of all the other games. Like, I, I had to make, uh, you know, sometimes I have to make concessions uh, for storage. Versus symmetry, like in my office where I display all my games, and um, when I have to make that concession, it, it hurts me a little bit. And I'm constantly thinking, how can I redo this one day, or what's my my solution to get get it all correct the next time? Right, that makes sense. You know, you want it to be the way you want it to be. If you put a lot of time into collecting, it's kind of like your pride and joy. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, obviously, I invest a lot of time and also money now in, into this hobby. And uh, I would like it to look nice. I mean, I honestly, I don't play most of these games, so they they are shelf decoration. It's like, you know, putting up a piece of art. It's there for me to look at and make me think. And, you know, it's great. That's why I like Instagram, because now I can share uh, my moments and my games with people and then, you know, get the reverse back, you know, get their feedback, their experiences, and their takes. Um, so, yeah, it, it's good. But, like I said, I I want it to look nice. Yeah, that's a fair fair statement. Okay, so I think we can go ahead and kind of cut this episode a little bit short. I'm off to the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. Uh, this will be up after I get back. Um, so I'm going to go up there and see what there is to see, and then I'll, I'll report back to you guys and we can talk about it. That sounds great. All right, Kat, thanks for joining me tonight, and have a great evening.
The intro music is provided by 8-Bit Weapon and Computer. The song is Coco Kitty, and it can be found on their album, Chiptopia, the best of 8-Bit Weapon and Computer, and it's on iTunes and Bandcamp.